They first met at ShopRite when she went to buy perfume and they exchanged phone numbers. That's how they started talking. We all know the plot of the typical romance story. Boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl. Something happens to pull them apart. They struggle to get back together and then they go on to live happily ever after. In other cases, boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, girl rejects boy. Boy is brokenhearted for a minute until he meets another girl and then moves on to have a happy ending with that girl. But in rare cases, something more sinister happens in some cases. Boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, girl rejects boy, and boy kills girl. On the 16th of September, one of those rare cases happened in Kano. He knocked at the door for almost an hour. I opened the door and he pushed me aside and got in and started stabbing her with a knife. From Triple E Media, I'm Ramat Mohammed, and this is The Backstory. capital of Kano State and it is the most popular city in northern Nigeria with over 4.2 million inhabitants. Despite its large population, the city is still known for its hospitality and many foreigners from all over the world like Niger, Lebanon, India and China find their home in Kano. When foreigners arrive in Kano, they find themselves immediately immersed in the traditions of the place. Kano is a majority Muslim city and, as such, it is very conservative. For some foreigners who come from a similar background, it is easy for them to integrate and eventually settle down. For 47-year-old Chinese national Geng Kwarong, his life in Kano took a turn when he met Umukulsum Sani Buhari sometime in 2021. Umukulsum, fondly called Umita, was around 22 years old when she met Geng. At the time, Umita was a final year student of Usman Alfodio University, Sokoto, studying agricultural science. That's Umita's mother in an interview with Freedom Radio Kanu. She said that Geng and her daughter struck a friendship and began to talk after that encounter at ShopRite. Things between the two progressed and eventually Umita made a phone call. According to Daily Trust, she called Sheikh Aminu Ibrahim Dorawa to get religious advice on marrying the Chinese man. Now, as a Muslim woman, Umita is required to marry a Muslim man and for that reason, Geng had converted to Islam. But for the Sheikh, he asked Umita to complete other requirements before moving forward with the marriage. Sheikh Dorawa advised her to contact the Nigerian Immigration Service to confirm the authenticity of his entry into Nigeria and to confirm where he works and his connections. He also asked her to inform the Hizba Commission of Kanu State so that they could teach him about Islam since he had just recently converted to the religion. It's not clear whether these requirements were met, but at some point between 2021 and 2022, 
Umita got married to someone else. She did not marry Gen. Of course, she told him she was going to marry him. But because her paternal uncle saw issues coming, they refused, and I agreed with them. When she got married, they separated until when she was divorced. Umita's marriage soon ended in a divorce, but we don't really know why. And she was back to living in her family home until the evening of Friday the 16th of September. After her divorce, Geng started to call Umita again. And that evening, around 9.30, Geng showed up and started knocking at the door of Umita's family home. The Chinese man always comes around wanting to see her and she has been refusing. When he calls, she doesn't pick up. That's when he decided to invade. He knocked at the door for almost an hour. According to Umita's mother, they got tired of the banging and so Umita suggested that her mother should go to the door and ask him to leave. Umita's mother agreed, but she had barely opened the door when Geng charged in. I opened the door and he pushed me aside and got in and started stabbing her with a knife. I started shouting and people came running. We rushed her to the hospital, but before we arrived, she was dead. On Friday, 16th September, the Kano State Police Command arrested a Chinese national, Geng Kwarong, for allegedly stabbing Umuko Sunsani Buhari to death in her family home for refusing to marry him. You've probably heard the phrase, love is a drug. And that's because the feelings that we have when we are in love are exactly the same feelings that a drug addict gets when they use drugs. In fact, scientists have discovered that the parts of the brain which get stimulated when we are in love are the same parts that get stimulated for drug users. Just like a drug user, a person in love is overcome with sweet feelings. Just like a drug user craves the drug all the time, a lover is constantly thinking about the person, craving their presence. Now, for most people, those initial strong feelings settle down over time. But some people's brains are easily wired for addiction. We all know that casual drug use can sometimes turn to uncontrolled addiction. And once a person is addicted, they do anything to obtain the drug. Just like a drug addict, once a lover turns into an obsessive person, they can and have done the craziest things to keep their lover.
Obsession has a lot to do with a need for control. Where is that obsessiveness coming from? The person who is obsessed has a deep-seated fear, and it's usually due to some form of an attachment style, and their main fear is fear of losing you. That's a clip of Mary Jo Rapini, a licensed professional counselor with a master's degree in counseling psychology. Now, in this part of the world, when tragic events happen, like Umita's death, we often say it was God's will, that it could not have been prevented. But in cases of obsessive love turned violent, there are often red flags, which we tend to ignore. According to Dr. John D. Moore, who holds a PhD in psychology, obsessive love develops in four phases. The first phase is attraction, followed by the anxious phase. Obsession is a third phase, and if it is not corrected, it can lead to the fourth phase, destruction. The first level is the attraction phase. When you're out or you start dating this person, they come on way too strong. They're going to bring you candy. They're going to bring you little gifts. They're going to be overwhelmingly flattering. Now, this is different from love at first sight. We all have experienced love at first sight at some point or other in our lives. But a potential red flag for obsession during this early phase is when the person, they begin to rush things within days or even weeks of meeting you. If they start calling you their soulmate or they're discussing marriage or they're suggesting that you move in together during the first few weeks of your relationship, then you need to ask yourself if you might be dealing with an obsessive person. Oftentimes, an obsessive person, they choose to rush things so that they can have control over the other person. They need to trap the lover in order to keep them from running away from the relationship. Now, we're not particularly sure how fast Gang moved with Umita, but we can guess that it was fairly quick. Since all the events from their meeting at the mall to her marriage and divorce all happened between 2021 and 2022. Pay attention if they're moving too fast in the relationship, especially if it doesn't feel right to you. Listen to your gut feelings and get out. Next phase is the anxious phase. This is when the obsessive lover begins worrying. Hmm, what if I lose this person? What if somebody else is after them? What if they leave me? What if I make them upset? At this point, what they begin doing is they begin trying to isolate you. They're trying to isolate you from your real life. So that includes your loved ones, as well as what you do. They want control of you. They want to be near you at all times. The anxious phase, this phase usually happens after a commitment has been made between both parties. The obsessive person, they feel like they have to do everything they can to keep this person. There's this constant need to be in contact with their lover. And when they can't reach them, they begin to have these unfounded thoughts of cheating. They're not able to trust, so they're going to demand accountability for normal everyday activities. We know that in the case of Gang and Umita's romance, there were red flags, which indicated that the relationship had actually moved into the anxious phase. When Daily Trust newspaper interviewed one of Omita's friends, she told them that from what she knew of Gang, he would get frustrated 
over silly things. And that even when Omita's replies to his text messages were late, he would get angry. Now, we usually romanticize this type of behavior. We think, oh, how cute. He really loves me. He's just been attentive. Ask yourself, is it cute or is it a flag for obsessive behavior? Spend some time apart from this person and see how they react. Pay attention if they start to demand that they know where you are and what you're doing at every minute of the day. If they demand that they need to know all your passwords or they start to track your location, those are red flags and you need to get out. The third stage is the obsessive stage. This is the stage that the obsessed lover begins making incredible demands on you. They begin shaming you if they're not with you. They begin doing things like they'll defy what you say. They'll even break the law. In fact, the obsessive phase is usually when the law enforcement agency is called in. Because if you tell this person, I never want to see you again, or you would put a restraining order on them, more than likely they would break that boundary. During the obsessive phase, it's also common for the obsessed lover to begin using your family to get information, your family and friends. They may be trying to use it in a way of keeping track of where you are. Now, let's just say that you've recognized the red flags and you do start to put some distance between yourself and the obsessive lover they are going to start to feel like you're backing away and this may push them into the third phase, the obsessive phase. In this phase, the obsessive lover, they become overwhelmed because they feel that they've lost control of the person that they love. So the obsessive lover, they double down and they begin to call like a thousand times. They send unbelievable amounts of messages. They might even call your workplace or drive by your workplace to see if your car is parked outside just to make sure that you're at work. And as you heard Mary Jo Rapini say, this is when they might even start to reach out to other people like your family and your friends just so that they can get some information about what you're up to. Now in Geng's case, it was clear that he had moved into the obsessive phase. Umita's mother said that he would come to the house and he kept calling her even when she refused to see him final stage is a destructive stage. And this is when the obsessed lover finally realizes they're losing you. This is a stage when they take drastic measures, and this can mean hurting themselves or hurting you. The thing to remember is obsessed lovers are filled with self-hate. And so what happens is that hate for themselves turns into rage against not getting you. In this final phase, the obsessive lover moves into panic mode. They've already tried everything they can think of to win you back and you're not responding. So at this phase, they have to do something, anything to save the relationship. Maybe they attempt suicide thinking that will bring you back to them. At other times, they will choose to take their anger out on you. They may start to think, if I can't have her, no one else can. Some of the red flags that an obsessive person has moved into the destruction phase include overwhelming feelings of depression. They say they are feeling empty inside. 
they have extreme feelings of self-blame and at times self-hatred. They express anger, rage, and a desire to seek revenge against the love interest or breaking off the relationship. They use drugs, alcohol, food, or sex to medicate the emotional pain. Clearly and sadly, Geng was in phase four when he showed up at Umita's home that evening, Friday the 16th of September. So let's say that you recognize that you're involved with an obsessive person. What do you do? Be very direct and tell them you don't want to date them anymore. Being direct is often easier said than done, especially as women, because we're taught to be mindful of people's feelings. We're trained to be careful not to hurt others. We're trained to always be polite and nice. But an obsessive person can be a dangerous person, and it's important that you stop engaging with them altogether. You don't need to be nice. You don't need to see their phone calls. You don't need to see their text messages. You can and should block them completely. Because with this kind of obsessive personality, any engagement with them will give them hope. And it's best to block them as soon as you detect signs of obsession. Don't wait until it gets to the second or third phase. Secondly, don't frequent the places you used to with your obsessive lover. The reason is because they may go back there waiting for you to come. It's important they don't see you there. Don't accept any gifts or anything sent to your home from them. You don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you feel like you owe them something. Now, when you block them, they are going to try to find other ways to get to you. And sending you gifts is a popular technique for them. You must absolutely not accept anything from them. Accepting gifts gives them hope that you might one day return the favor. Tell your closest friends and your family about what is going on. The obsessive lover may use their connection with your family or your friends to keep tabs on you. It's a way of them stalking you. Now, in the day of social media, when everyone's business is out in the open, this is very important. Tell your friends and family not to post anything about you on their social media, at least until some time passes. The obsessive person, they're going to want to find information about you. They want to know what you're doing. If you're dating somebody else, they want to know. But this information can trigger them. The less they know about you, the better for them, but also for you. Finally, if the obsessive person somehow still manages to make contact with you, they will most likely attempt to manipulate you. Maybe they will threaten to commit suicide as a way to get you to engage with them again. If this happens, alert a professional who can help them. You are not trained to handle suicide cases. Now, on the night that Umita was brutally killed, something else happened, or rather, something did not happen. It's reported in the news that Gang was banging at the door to the house for almost an hour and no one came out to see what was going on. It was raining that night, so it's possible that the rain muffled the sound, but... Is it possible that people heard him and ignored him? How do you ignore the very strange behavior of someone knocking on a door for nearly one hour? Psychologists have a name for this. It's called the bystander effect. And this happens when people in a group fail to help someone during an emergency, even though they are witnesses to the event. In fact, research shows 
that the bigger the group that is observing the event, the less likely it is that someone will intervene. So the question is, how many neighbors heard him knocking that night and did nothing? When events like this happen, we often comfort ourselves by invoking the phrase, it's God's will. But let's remember that God also gave us knowledge so that we can preserve ourselves and those around us in order to serve him. The Backstory is a Triple E Media production. Production copyright 2022 Triple E Media Productions. If you enjoyed this episode of The Backstory and you would like to hear more, go to our website at 234audio.com to play the sample content. Then download our app from the Google Play Store for even more episodes. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at 234audio to watch the video for this episode. Make sure to click the notification bell, like, and leave a comment. Our episodes can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave a comment. This episode of The Backstory was produced by Ramat Mohammed, Antonietta Kalunta, Miriam Mohammed, Dominic Tabakaji, and Sam Tabakaji. Executive Producer Ramat Mohammed. <laughs>